When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following content is not suitable for children. You know, as we face the new year and you're making your resolutions and you want to change your relationship, here's one episode for you to listen to that I really think can change things and can deepen you. So as you become self-reflective before you set your course for the new year, we want you to think about this. George, we're going to go deeper into the world of pursuers and withdrawers. I'm so excited to talk about waves, all the waves that hit us as we're trying to do something good and it doesn't work out. And we want to understand what happens to our partner and what happens to ourselves. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Valley, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. So, Lori, when we travel about, so often people want more than just an idea or the concepts, right? We want to have a felt sense of kind of what it's like to be in our partner's world or even to go deeper within our own world. So we talk a lot about pursuers and withdrawers. And today we're going to do a little exercise just to help people go a little bit deeper. So let's start off with pursuers. Okay. Well, that's easy. And that's my favorite. So you can help. What's so hard about pursuers, right, is this this energy that they need to, to kind of create change and motivate their partner. And somehow they're the ones responsible for conversations and bringing things up. They have all this kind of pressure put on them. And yep. instead of them being appreciated, they get, they get seen as they're resented for their energy. I mean, what a kick in the ass, right? Yeah. Sometimes I feel like as a pursuer, you just can't win. Yeah. You know? You can just take it or you can say something. And if you say something, you're damned. And if you don't say something, you're damned because there's no change. There's no change. Exactly. Right. And I think that's the, they're told if you work so hard and they work hard, like they're so creative and how they try to get engagement and get their partner to talk and, you know, and. and We overthink, we overthink. 
overthink and be, and the intendant hat is beautiful because you want yeah. connection. You want a strong relationship. So right. you're willing to put the work in more than 50, 50. And you think that your partner would be like, I'm so lucky to have this person who works so hard. And instead you get the exact opposite. Like, why are you working so hard? Why are you so negative? Why do you got to do all these things? Right. And it's like so many pursuers feel crazy. They're like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it is a crazy maker when you're thinking, I, I'm thinking about us. I'm trying to figure it out for us. You know, these are good things that I want. I just want more connection or I, I, I want us to work better as a team or sometimes, you know, I just, I want more sex that makes us feel so good. Like, how do you not get that? Yeah. Not only not get it, that somehow I become the problem and a negative one. And it's like, how did this like turn back on me? So many pursuers yeah. feel like the monster or the bitch. That's who they become, the negative one, the critical one in the relationship. Right. And they don't want right. to be this way. But like you were saying, if to, what's the alternative to say nothing and just allow the distance to continue to grow? It's a horrible yeah. dilemma. Exactly. Okay, so yeah. what, do we, what do you got for us? Well, they're trying to just recognize, we talk about pursuers, this, this sense of rejection tends to be like, like their raw spot. They work mm -hmm. so hard for connection and they get the very opposite of it all the time, which is rejection. And right. it's not just rejection in the fight. Before the fight ever happens, there's like hundreds of times they hope their partner is going to bring something up. Like, why do they always have to bring it up? And every time your brain hopes and doesn't get it, it's getting rejected. Until you can't take it anymore and you finally say something, then it turns into a fight. Then you have the post-fight, right? What's going to happen after the fight? Like, why is the pursuer that has to bring it up in repair all the time? And like, I don't think people recognize the number, the sheer number of resentments that pursuers accumulate over time. And that really starts to increase the baseline. It increases that anxiety, right? Which is why they become more negative because their brain is stuck in yellow and it's focusing mm -hmm. on what could happen instead of all the good stuff that could happen. And then they're blamed for that, right? Which yeah. is a pretty, pretty unfair thing. Yeah, exactly. And this works in the sexual cycle and the emotional cycle. You know, either, yeah. either place you're a pursuer, that's what you feel. It's like, wh why is it left up to me to raise the topic of what is clearly not working. Yeah. And some of the, I think, loneliest moments is, is, is when you're laying in bed with your partner, right? And you're worrying about your relationship and the kids and are you going to make it and what's your mom going to think? And you're up all night and your partner's sleeping, right? They're snoring. <laughs> I mean, how lonely, existential so can it feel when your brain is, like you said, it's going a million miles an hour and your partner's oblivious to it. It looks like they're oblivious to it. Yeah, they might have gone to bed upset, but but one of their defenses is to sleep easily, right? I mean, it's it's actually sleeping is a is a primitive defense. It's like you know when I know for my husband who's withdrawer, you know when we're in a fight, he can go to bed. He's out in thirty seconds. He's out faster because it's the way he pulls inside. You know, it doesn't mean that he really wasn't upset before he went to bed. There are so many pursuers emotionally during sex talk about like their partners inside them or they're inside their partner and it doesn't feel like their partner is actually present it feels like they're yeah, just a during body, sex right all that they're feeling yeah. is not known not seen not interested in not curious mm. about you can feel just the the anguish of the loneliness in what should be such a connected moment yeah when we're making love with our partner and we don't sense 
that deep connection, there's probably nothing lonelier in the whole world than that. Yeah. And in these moments, it's so counterintuitive to want to talk about your worst fears. Because how do you make sense of constantly being rejected, right? It must be something about you. But why would you want to share that with the person who doesn't seem to be interested? So again, you, there's, there's a lot of bad, bad options here. Yeah, so true. Yeah. I'm feeling it. <laughs> and usually like this is where I'd want. So I, let's, let's do the waves. This is just an exercise that we do to help people embody more of this, this, this place and what it feels like. So all you listen okay. is just close your eyes unless you're driving. Right? Okay. That was a what you are joke thrown in, but. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here's your first wave. Okay. All right. All your efforts, all the books you read, all the way you try to bring up conversations, because these beautiful longings that you have, they just want to be in connection. You want interest, you want engagement. All the work is to get the good stuff. And not only do you not get the good stuff, but you get the very thing you're trying to avoid. You'll reject it again. What mm. is it like to work so hard not to be rejected, only to find yourself back in this place where loneliness is forced upon you? Mm. Like just, just check in with your body. Where do you feel that rejection? I want connection. Mm. And... I don't get the connection. I'm back in the very place I don't want to be. Is that a pit in your chest? Is it something in your stomach? Like, just where do you feel that in your body? Okay, so I'm going to play along right, with this, and I'm going to check my body as you do this, George. Good. All right. So here comes the second wave, right? The second wave is not only you being rejected, but your partner is telling you it is actually your fault you're being rejected. It's because you say too much, you're too negative, your timing is wrong, you have a big mouth. The reason for this rejection is you. What the hell does that feel like to be blamed for the very rejection? <laughs> you can oh see why gosh. so many pursuers feel crazy. They feel gaslit. They know their heart and what they're trying to do. And yet to be broken down like it's their fault they're being rejected now, it's like that is maddening. What does that feel like to be blamed for the rejection? Right. right. When we know our intention and then we're told that yeah. we actually are, you know, have a bad intention. Yes. What does that feel like to be blamed for the very rejection? Here comes the third wave. Part of you believes that's true. Mm. Despite all your efforts and all your work, somehow this always happens to you. Somehow people find it easy to walk away, you know to not be with you the way you want to be with them. Mm -hmm. What is it like to believe you actually deserve the rejection? Mm -hmm. I just feel the difference between I'm rejected, I'm being blamed for the rejection, and part of me thinks I deserve it. I'm too much, I'm not enough, I'm not smart enough, pretty enough, slim enough, whatever the tapes that play in this place. Mm -hmm. What's that feel like to believe you deserve the rejection? Right. Here comes your fourth wave. If you ever needed anybody to come, now would be a good time, right? This is where you are feeling the most unlovable, the most broken, and guess what? No one is coming. If you ever needed love, this is it. 
and no one's coming. What is it like to feel that? To know in your moment of greatest need, where you're feeling hopeless, despair, helplessness, that no one's coming, no one's going to help you. You are on your own in this place. To me, this is hell, right? Cut off from relationship and not liking yourself in it. I mean, this is nobody can, this is despair. And here comes yeah. your last wave. The only thing that you can do to get out of this place, the only resilient thing is to fight, to say this isn't fair, this is not okay, and you're going to try to get people to respond differently. You have one move, one resilient thing to do and say no more. This isn't okay. I deserve something different. And the one move that you have, people are going to blame you for it. They're not going to say it's great that you do this. They're going to say, there you go, doing it again, being negative, pushing, giving advice, being critical. Your one move, and people are going to reject that. What does that feel like? Mm -hmm. Helpless. Gosh. Right. Talk about a cycle. How's that for you, Laurie? Just getting hit with the waves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what you said is you've broken down the process so much of what goes on inside a pursuer. I can feel it. You know, the, the push is rejected. What is it you're feeling? Well, I, I think I, you know, typically I feel things kind of back of my chest and in my stomach. You know, just that, oof, I know what it's like to be rejected. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it, that's where it lands in my body, which, you know, we know we're trying to get people to connect their emotions in their body because it's so smart. Then we know we can know faster what to do if we check in with right. our bodies. I'm sure there are people listening out of crying. I mean, there's something exposing about this place that how mm -hmm. do we make sense of the rejection? When we start to go into mm -hmm. we deserve it, there's something wrong with us. I mean, these are the horrible moments that usually nobody sees, nobody mm -hmm. comes, right? So just to be able to recognize if you can listen to those places, they're telling us what we need. You deserve to be responded to in these places. Sometimes we have to be willing to touch these places ourselves, or even if you're a withdrawer listening, like you might not know where your partner goes. Because, you know, you don't ask questions and they might not talk about the vulnerability here, but it's hard to make sense of, of continuous rejections over a relationship, mm -hmm. right? And, and again, if you feel empathy, you feel sad, that sadness is just trying to point you in a direction of connection, which is the missing ingredient here. Exactly. So what is the direction it's trying to point me in? What's the sadness? Yeah. It's trying to get you to not be alone in these places. Mm -hmm. It's trying There's to get need. the people There's you love need. to come closer. Yeah. yeah. The need underneath the feeling. There. Yeah. What's the opposite of rejection? Acceptance. That's Cared what about, we're looking loved, for. Loved. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Exactly. All right. Well, there's a little, a little jumping deep end of pursuers. Let's come back and do what drawers. Addie. 
Ladies, did you know that one of the most common complaints from women about their sexual health is a frustrating low libido? Our sex drives can decline, but it's also treatable. Addy or Flibanserin is FDA approved and has been clinically proven to increase sexual desire in certain premenopausal women who are bothered by a low libido. So if you feel like you've lost your desire and you want to get it back, stop falling for the snake oils and ask your doctor about Addy today. Go to Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I. Addy is for premenopausal women with acquired generalized hypoactive sexual desire disorder, HSDD, who have not had problems with low sexual desire in the past, who have low sexual desire no matter the type of sexual activity, the situation, or the sexual partner. The low sexual desire is troubling to them and is not due to a medical or mental health problem, problems in the relationship, or medicine or other drug use. Addy is not for use in men or to enhance sexual performance. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is increased if you drink one to two standard alcoholic drinks close in time to your Addy dose. Wait at least two hours after drinking before taking Addy at bedtime. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is also increased if you take certain prescriptions, over-the-counter or herbal medications, or have liver problems. Low blood pressure and fainting can happen when you take Addy even if you don't drink alcohol or take other medicines. Do not take if you are allergic to any of the ingredients in Addy. Allergic reactions may include hives, itching or trouble breathing. Sleepiness, sometimes serious, can occur. Common side effects include dizziness, nausea, tiredness, difficulty, Difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep and dry mouth. See full PI and medication guide, including box warning at addy.com forward slash PI or call 844-PINK-PILL. Go to addy.com and use the code foreplay for a $10 telemedicine appointment to find out if Addy is right for you. If you are like me, seriously, I'm always going a million miles an hour. I open up apps on my phone. I forget about it. I pay the first fee and then I think, oh, I'll close that later. I always forget, but Rocket Money can cancel subscriptions for you that are otherwise tricky or time-consuming to figure out what you have and haven't closed. Or Rocket Money will alert you to an increase in subscription prices and then will negotiate it for you. No kidding, I need that. I have spent hundreds of dollars a month wasted on apps that I am not using. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills, and we all need that at this season. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com foreplay. That's rocketmoney.com slash foreplay, rocketmoney.com slash foreplay. So, gee, I mean, that is so distinct, the waves of what we go through. I, I really, I think that pattern resonates in my body. It resonates in my head with absolutely, I'm, I'm rejected and then I'm blamed for, the action that caused me to be rejective. And then I tell myself, I didn't, you know, maybe I deserve this. And I'm all alone in that place. Nobody sees that right, right when I need it. Nobody sees it. And what does it cause me to do? It's my one act is to fight, to go again. And then I'm just repeating the cycle. And I think you're asking me to find that underneath that need of being so alone, what's the opposite of what I really need? And and how do I ask my partner for that? Can you help me? Like, If I go through waves and I do this, the work of figuring out what's underneath it and what I need, what, how am I, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, I mean, these are the conversations couples need to, because normally your partner's just going to see the protection of those places, the anger and the criticism, mm-hmm. not see the mm-hmm. vulnerability. You know, to be able to say, hey, I'm not sure you know that, you know, when you walk away for whatever your good reasons I not only feel kind of alone, but I start to wonder 
is there something wrong with me? Do I deserve to be left alone? Right? Yeah. Can you help me in that place? I mean, that that is the, the place where we need help the most and, and no one ever usually asks for help. Mm-hmm. We just try to change our partner from not triggering that place instead of saying it's here again, can you help me with it? That's the need, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to say, hey, can you, you know, when you come back, can you, can you let me know? Can you reassure me that you do want me, that you do choose mm-hmm. me? Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the need that's going to kind of heal this place. That's what's going to yeah. pull the person out of the water and, you know, bring out potty Lori, right. That feels safer and more secure. Vacation Lori. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Do this again, but like with the withdrawers, cause I'm imagining, um, yeah. kind of not just rejection, but the not good enough stuff that withdrawers go through. Yeah. I mean, I think we want to start off with just honoring just like pursuers have good reasons why they push and poke, withdrawers have good reasons why they go away, right? It's safer mm-hmm. to go away. It avoids conflict. There's more control. They can problem solve better. They get away from the conflict. So, you know, they have this move that they've used their whole life, which isn't trying to reject their partner. It's just what they do to feel safe. You know, I think what a lot of people don't recognize is every fight is a failure in co-regulation. Every mm-hmm. fight is teaching their nervous systems. Don't do emotions. This is what happens when you try to talk about things in an emotional way. Like it le- it makes things worse. And every time mm-hmm. they go away and they try to self-soothe, they gain confidence in going away because it helps them self-soothe, right? They don't learn how to get soothed in relationships. So I think just most pursuers have to recognize the math, just how many encounters withdrawers have gotten where they it, emotions don't work so well for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why they go away. It has nothing to do with not caring. It just has everything to do with safety. Yeah. Yeah. It's so a counterintuitive thing. It is counterintuitive. It's it's so hard to see it when you're on the other side of the fence. Exactly. You know, and your partner's walking away to remember, okay, they're they're doing something to connect inside, to, to figure it out inside, to regulate themselves. They they don't know this language of co-regulation. They don't know how to do that. Yeah. You know, and they wind up describing relationships like a minefield. It's like, I don't know Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. the next thing I'm going to do is going to be wrong. And that's Mm -hmm. a hard, like, where would you rather be? At work where it's not a minefield and the rules of engagement are clear and you know what's expected of you or at home where you don't know what you're going to do. And, you know, the worst thing isn't the the mind exploding or the fight, it's not knowing when it's going to happen. That's why so many withdrawers feel tired in, in, mm-hmm. in relationships because they're vigilant. They're constantly scanning for threat. Like, did I say the right thing? Is, was that okay? Do I need to change what I'm saying? Like, you know, imagine what it's like to live with that pressure in relationships. And yeah. every time they get away, they get a relief from that pressure. And that's what they're yeah. trying to get away from, the pressure. They're not trying to get away from their partner. I have a little story. I was working with somebody who was a very, a huge withdrawer. And they were telling me the story of what happened, an incident with their partner. And to me, I already know the partner is going to explode. And I know why the partner is going to explode. And I know what the partner is feeling. And even in the telling of the story, I could see that the withdrawer was building up to, can you believe the reaction I got, you know, wanting me to, you know, get to the punchline, right, of like, what a bitch. And, and I already see both sides. I, I know why yeah. he's acting the way he's acting and the what way and I can, 
you know, to me, it isn't random. It's part and parcel. It's so intrinsic to their cycle. And it's, it's curious to me that it feels so random. But to me, you know, as a therapist, I'm watching it and it's like, oh, of course, this, I know why, you know, your partner's being triggered. I see the whole thing. It's like, it's like having, reading a book and there's a third party narrator, you know, and you, you see all the behind the scenes. And that's kind of what it's like when we're standing apart from our cycle or when we're standing apart from somebody else's cycle. You know, it's easy to see both sides. But I think when we're in the middle of it, harder to see it. Yeah. And it's pretty unfortunate. And the rules that they're given is that if you perform well, you know, you're going to be successful. And, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so they, at an early age, they learn to kind of go inward, right, from a failure of co-regulation. When people don't respond to our feelings, we learn to deal with them on our own. And they become good at self-regulating and the world rewards that and promotes them. And they make a lot of money because they can stay calm under pressure and not do these big feelings. Mm -hmm. And that feels good. Mm -hmm. Then they find yeah. themselves in relationships where they're told there's something wrong with them because they're not doing feelings. When this is just kind of the the map that they were given, right? And yeah. just to help people recognize that the love that they get is so conditional. Like they get love when they get things right and perform. Yeah. And then when yeah. they don't, they get it wrong, they go off and they deal with it on their own. It's not that their partner doesn't want to help them. Is This was what they learned to do. But what is it like to only receive love when you get it right? No wonder why they're exactly. sensitive to the messages of failure, because failure exactly. means they're going off alone yep. to kind of deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And just what you were saying, I mean, this partner had, the, you know, the person I was talking to had had this big emotional experience and it was really, really good, but it was also something new and different and overwhelming. And so they needed to kind of regulate that. You know, it was just like, I don't know what to do with even these good, positive emotions that I'm getting, this love that I'm getting. It's so different. And so they needed to kind of pull in and intellectualize it. And yeah. even the intellectualization I could hear was actually about, you know, a vulnerability in their past, yeah. sort of, I could hear that side of it. But of course, when they tell their partner about the more intellectual understanding of it, what's lost is the power of what they felt emotionally. And I knew that was going to trigger their partner. What? You just, you yeah. just had this big thing happen and, you know, and just instilled hopelessness in the partner because it's like, no matter what, you know, you're not going to be able to take love in no matter what happens, all the good, you won't be able to take love in. And if you can't take love in, you can't take my love in and, you know, boom, yeah. big trigger. So we're trying to really capture the moment right before they go away. Mm -hmm. When you understand attachment, like this is their moment of greatest need. Something is happening with them. What's the threat mm -hmm. that causes them to go away? So let's do the waves with that. So again, okay, we good. have our listeners. We're going to hit you again okay. with five waves. Okay. Close and now I'm eye. kind of in the brain. I'm in the brain of the withdrawer having thought yeah. of this example. So here comes your first wave. All your attempts to perform, to make your partner happy, to achieve, to get it right. All that work fails. You get the very message that you're trying to not get. You failed again. What mm -hmm. is it like to get this message that all your work is trying not to get? You failed again. 
Just notice uh, your body, what it feels like to get a message that you're working so hard not to get. Where do you mm-hmm. feel that failure? Your stomach, mm-hmm. your chest, just, just listen to your body because it will communicate where this feeling comes. Mm-hmm. Here comes the second wave. Not only have you failed, but your partner is telling you the reason why you failed is because you don't care. <laughs> You're not trying right. hard enough. What does that feel like? You know your heart. You know how important it is for you not to fail. You do everything not to fail. And your partner says, actually, you don't try hard enough. No wonder why it's confusing for somebody with yours. They don't understand where this comes from. They don't care. Like, how is this even possible? Here comes the third wave. Not only have you been told you failed, and it's your fault because you don't care. But part of you believes it must be true. You must be Mm -hmm. a failure. This keeps happening. You can't deny your history where despite your efforts, you let people down constantly. They're constantly Mm -hmm. telling you, you need to change. You're coming up short. Part of you believes it must be true. Then you are a failure. What Mm -hmm. does that feel like? to have this part of you that believes your truth is you are a failure. And I need everyone to get the difference between I'm failing at something and I'm a failure. This is the worst fear, Mm. right? This is that negative view of self that makes sense of this space that I must be a failure. I am the one that that is bad. I am the failure. This is where shame is going to kick in. I'm a loser. Mm -hmm. I'm stupid. I'm too much, I'm fat, all that negative stuff, this is where it's coming. Right. Here comes your fourth wave. If you ever needed love, this would be a good time for it to show up. (laughs) So true. And guess what? No one is showing up here. If you can get it right, maybe someone will show up and love you. But in this place where you need love the most, no one is coming. Can you feel the hopelessness and despair in that? Just to know, to resign mm-hmm. yourself that this is it. This is what life has for you. When you go to this place, mm-hmm. no one shows up. This is a desert. Mm-hmm. This is dark. Right? This is where people feel hopelessness and despair and helplessness and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And here comes your last wave. You have one thing to do, one move to get out of this place. And that's just to kind of push it into a closet, push it into a corner and just focus on something else. Go somewhere else. Avoid it. You have one move to get away from the pain because no one's coming. And guess what? Instead of people saying, that's amazing. Thank God you can do this. You're going to get blamed when you do this and you push this stuff away. What's it like to have one move and everybody's going to hate the one move that you have? Pretty hopeless. Yeah. Again, see Lori shaking her head. Hopefully some of you listening can feel the pain of this place. There's actually a lot going on inside with drawers mm-hmm. that they might not know how to put into words. Mm. Right? But hopefully, you know, that's what we're trying to do, help people find their words so they don't have to be alone in these places because mm-hmm. it's that darkness that's telling us the needs. Right? If my worst fear is failure, then I need somebody to come and say, it's going to be okay. Even if you fail, I still want you. I still love you. Like reassurance, a hug, like some kind of connection in this place where I chronically get nothing. 
Mm -hmm. right? I need co-regulation. I need success in that if I'm going to want to do more emotions. Yep. And I just think, you know, with withdrawers, oftentimes the way they grew up, they, they don't verbalize so much. So then in relationship, when you ask them what's going on and they say, I don't know, they really can't put, they feel something, but they can't put it into words. So they say, I don't know. And this part, I mean, what you just described is so deep. How do you put into words, you know, how is it even safe to put in the words that I feel like I am the failure? You know, I am the failure. And that hopelessness that is generated, there is kind of no place to go. And then withdrawing further makes sense because sometimes I think they, you know, they just don't have that path, even a putting it out there so that their partner can understand what's going on. And I think the next step, you know, what you talked about with pursuers is much easier for pursuers to maybe ask their partner to see what's going on. But for the withdrawer, you're really asking for a mountain task here, George. So how do, how does the withdrawer put it into words so that they can let their partner into this place when they don't have many words? It's, it's a process. You know, just like you got here over time, it's a process to start touching this place, building your capacity to share it, right? Mm. There's, the good news is that if you can just listen and to your body that says this hurts, it feels bad. That feeling is trying to propel you towards sharing it, towards communicating, towards not being mm. alone. Let's not overcomplicate mm. this. The antidote okay. to failure is to be wanted. It's success with your feelings. Even if you mm-hmm. are a withdrawer and say, I don't even know how to talk to this. What George and Lori just talked about hits me. I don't often talk about this place, but I, I just want you to listen to this with me and see what comes up. Like it's the start of the process. If you're the pursuer to just recognize they have to have success with emotion. They have to have success mm-hmm. with co-regulation. Don't keep correcting them. Say, well, tell me more. Tell-. They might not have more words, but right. if they keep touching this place, and they find your interest, your curiosity, more importantly, your empathy and your compassion, they will do more of it. That's the good news here. When withdrawers start to fight for themselves in these places, the world changes. They, and they, they start to see the value in doing co-regulation instead of just constantly resigning themselves that the best they get is to just be left alone. That's not okay. We're trying to fight mm. for withdrawers mm. to let them know there's an alternative out there. Don't listen to us. Listen to your body when you try it. Yeah. So we'll have to do another Your body. podcast on this, Laurie. Okay. Okay. We, we got a lot of here. So give me one line that a withdrawer might say to their partner about this deep feeling of, I am the failure. I am a failure. Yeah, in that moment right before I go away. You know, I'm really down on myself because I feel like not only am I disappointing you, but it's... I'm disappointing myself because I just always wind up hurting the people I love. Mm. Mm. So vulnerable. So vulnerable. Thank you. Okay, y'all, whichever position you're in, pursue or withdraw, we feel with you. You know, there are five waves that come, and this is a difficult place to get out of. I think George has offered today a way out. You know, this is something to reflect on as you're going into your new year, just a way to deepen, a way to think about what you go through, and a way out. So we offer you blessings in the new year. 
And this is a pathway for you to understand yourself a little bit better. And maybe you can see what your partner goes through too. Thanks for listening. Swim in the waves, baby. Okay, so tell us about your cutting edge training that you're doing on success and vulnerability. Laura, we just keep pushing it, coming up with a new module on the playbook of a pursuer, playbook of a witcher, really practical moment by moment moves of what a therapist can use. You know, we're so focused on what's happening in session. Enough that is talk about theories and these global things. We, I think most therapists are looking for, what do I do in this moment? Give me a tool, George. So that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. I am so glad you guys are doing this work. I think it helps us be organized to see you do it. You do demos, you do explanations, teaching. It really is interactive. And I think that so many trainings that we sit through don't give us an opportunity for that. So what you're doing is really important. No, we try to emphasize the teach it, show it, do it model of learning. Now you need to have some ideas, so we try to teach those. And then we try to show what it looks like implementing those ideas. But most importantly, you now got to practice it. That's how they become yours. And that's what we want our, our listeners and watchers to do is become their own moves. Find George and his teaching at successandvulnerability.com. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.